Welcome, adventurers. It is hard to foresee what dreams will catch a child's fancy, what path their life will take. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon Screams could be heard echoing from the high hall. A detonation shook the temple. Erdrith stumbled and fell. He was in agony. Acid burns covered his body. His robes were tattered and scorched. He was tired. Three hundred and twenty-one years he had lived. Two hundred and six as the first conciliator. Coravin knew he had earned his rest, earned the right for his body to return to the earth for his spirit to dance on the wind. He groaned, forcing himself to stand. Before he went, he had one more task. He must ensure the safety of the heart. Ensure that that deceitful and duplicitous wizard never got her hands on it. This betrayal could not succeed. Esmeray's attempted theft must be stopped. Soul neared its peak. A few wispy clouds smudged the otherwise brilliant blue sky. The spring air was warm and filled with the scent of the forest. Ahead on the wooded path, reverberating through the trees, could be heard the sound of a gathering. Ergul was so excited she could hardly hold back. Long-legged strides had carried her far out in front of her parents and the household attendants. They lingered behind, almost out of sight traveling at a much slower pace under the burden of the camp supplies. She really should wait, help even, but they had been on the road sixteen days, and their destination was so close. Never in her thirteen years had Ergul seen so many trees, and so different from those in Elhaya, Mara. She had read about forests in books, seen pictures, but to look upon them in person... They were more amazing and majestic than she could have ever imagined. She had dreamed about this day for almost five years, ever since her father had first told her a bedtime story of the Cries de Anadair and their home in the Gimlin Woods. From that moment on they had become her obsession, and she constantly pestered her parents for any information she could find on the Order of Druids, books detailing histories of the entire region, detailing the rise of Pergat Baklav, the Defiler, and his subsequent defeat by the group known as the Cries de Onadere. Some of these writings implied the druids wielded the power of nature, the power of life itself. What must that be like? She was enthralled. She needed to know more. When books sated her curiosity no more, Ergul turned to nagging, and controlled her father so much he finally yielded and put out word he would pay to have any visitor tell Elhaya Mara, with knowledge of the druids, to come to the house 
and share their stories with Ergul. After meeting with five such persons, she felt she had learned as much as she could from such visits, and pushed him to get an actual member of the order to attend her. Invitations were sent. Gold or trade was offered. But all were politely declined. Unwilling to let go, Ergul herself began to write letters to the order, at first asking for recommendations of more books to read, questions on how she might learn more of the mysteries of nature. To these kind replies were sent, with a short list of books and a suggestion that stars were a worthy topic for study. Ergul read all the books many times over, and her father procured for her the foremost astronomy tutor available. As she read and learned, she sent more letters asking questions on what she had read, asking for clarifications, and for more avenues of studies. Letters were sent back with answers to her questions, praising her for her astute mind and suggestions for further studies. And so the years from her ninth until her twelfth passed, deep in study, learning all she could, whatever the druids would tell her, and more. Ergul even talked her father into getting her an arcane tutor, and was overwhelmingly proud when she was able to summon a small ball of light from nothing. Even so, the arcane seemed dull, time-consuming, and tedious when compared to the power of nature, and her mind never strayed far from the Cries de Onadere. So when, twelve days after her twelfth birthday, a letter arrived from the Sistitam Hain, home of the Creus de Onader. Ergul eagerly broke the seal and quickly read. Her excitement peaked, as the letter had come unprompted, in response to no question or inquiry. It was an invitation. An invitation to attend the spring solstice celebrations and ritual ceremonies of the Druids, one year hence. It went on to say that once every nine years, the order sought out and tested new candidates to become novices. And she was invited to offer herself for consideration, should she so choose. She had whooped with joy, running about her room. She would harness the power of nature. She would feel life flow through her. Her mother had had her concerns, given the distance, and she had always been concerned that Ergul did not run play, or keep friends as other children, instead always consumed in study. And now she wished to go all this way to study even more with the Greenlanders? Her father, on the other hand, could deny her nothing, and it was not long before her parents said she could attend the solstice. It was the longest year of Argo's life, between the arrival of the letter and the journey to Sisti Tamhain, but she wasted not a moment of it. She studied constantly and did little else. She would pass whatever test was given her. She would become Cries de Onadere. The noise of the gathering ahead grew, and then Ergul caught sight of movement. As her eyes focused, she was able to make out shapes, orderly shapes, tense. After a year of waiting, she could wait no longer. She burst into a run, her mother could scold her later. Legs pumping, the vibrant green of new leaves passed by in a blur to either side. And then she was there, 
she came out into a large clearing. Along the edges were tents of varying size and color. The flaps of many were thrown wide to welcome in the pleasant spring air. Amid the center of the clearing were dozens, if not hundreds, of people. They talked in pairs and in groups of many more. Calls of greeting, invitations to share food and drink, rose occasionally above the buzz of conversation. It had the feeling of a fair or festival. Ergul stood, mouth agape for a moment, and then realized she most likely looked a fool. And needing absolute proof she was here, she shut her mouth and quickly made her way to the west edge of the clearing. At the base of a wooded hill, built into the embankment, was a large stone arch. Two massive wood doors of oak stood wide open toward the clearing, as if welcoming her in. In the stone were skillfully carved anagam, the runic language of the druids. They did not teach it to those outside the order, so Ergul had no idea what it might say. But she would, one day soon. A squat woman with a braided crown of brown hair and green robes approached her. Ergul stared down at her, wide-eyed. The woman's mahogany face split into a wide smile. May I help you, young one? She drew herself up to her full height, standing straight-backed. I am Argul Abbas. I have come to win entrance into the Krias de Anadere. The woman seemed amused by her declaration, her face scrunching into a mock seriousness. Well, Argul Abbas, on behalf of the Krias de Anadere, I welcome you to Sistetamhain. Esmeray walked steadily on, having left her carriage alongside the last road nearly two bells past. The green-leaved trees stood proud to either side of the path. The approach to Sistitamhain was always made on foot. The druids preferred it that way. On her journey, she had passed many travelers, a large portion of whom had departed from Sistitamhain, the celebration of the new year and the spring solstice having concluded two days prior. At this point there should be none but the druids there, and any novices they might have acquired during this year's ceremonies. Esmeri's pace did not waver, and in a little less than a quarter bell she stepped into a wide clearing. In it a handful of druids stood talking. They were still dressed in their ceremonial robes of dark green. West of the druids was a large stone arch in the base of a hill. One of two massive wood doors stood open. In no particular hurry, Esmeray stayed where she was, leaning on her tall staff. She was willing to wait until she was noticed. It didn't take long. Two of the druids from the group peeled away and came to stand before her. One with dark skin and a completely shaved head addressed her. Welcome to Sisti Tamhain. Esmeray could tell that her presence was unexpected and the druid opened their mouth as if to speak, looked at her steady gaze, shut their mouth again for a moment, finally saying, May I inquire as to your business? Esmeray waited just long enough to make it awkward. 
I am here to see the first conciliator. The two druids cast quick looks at one another before the first one asked, Is the first conciliator expecting your arrival? I should hope so, she said, an eyebrow arching. He invited me. The druids looked taken aback. It was clear they were not aware of the invitation. Esmeray's amusement at the discomfort of these two was waning quickly. Till Erdrith the Creus de Onadere's biggest benefactor is here. She made a dismissive gesture with a long-fingered hand. The druids looked no more comfortable than they had since becoming aware of her presence. But one turned and made their way toward the stone arch. Their camp had been set up in the last spot available on the edge of the clearing. It barely fit, large as it was. A lavish tent of silk colored in deep purples, golds, and accenting prints of green. In the glass sea, such a tent would be useless. But in the much cooler climes of the Barata province, it was more than passable, and made their wealth quite evident. It took the three attendants the better part of a bell to set up the monstrosity. It was the biggest tent at the gathering, and that pleased Ergul. As expected, her mother had scolded her for running ahead, but her father came to her defense, telling her mother to let her be excited. Ergul had given a grateful smile to her father and embraced him, looking over at her mother to give her a smug look of victory. When all was nearly set up, her father escorted her to the stone arch, the entrance to the temple, and presented the druids with both his name, Abu Rabba Infam Abbas, first minister to the Council of Elders of the Asua, and the invitation they had received inviting Ergul to present herself for consideration. They were received with dignity, though gently reminded that titles meant nothing here. The Cries de Onader were made up of peoples of all walks of life, and for the celebrations all should be treated as equals, regardless of their station or title. Ergul was taken under the stone arch and into the temple. They passed through an entry chamber, and then into a more unique chamber with curved walls. On the walls were carved more onagum, along with diagram after diagram consisting of various ovals and circles. The circles lay atop the ovals, and the carvings were inlaid with gold and silver. Ergul's eyes ran over the walls, trying to take it all in. Stars, she said quietly to herself, the disposition and paths of travel of various stars. Her escort smiled at her realization. Ergul could have stayed and studied the walls for bells. The room had a sense of life to it. It almost buzzed with an unseen energy. Alas, she was ushered along into a massive hall. The room was set with beautifully carved wooden chairs and tables. Here, too, many guests gathered and talked, though Ergul did notice many more here wore the green robes of the Cries de Onader. She was taken to one table in particular, at which two druids sat, talking with ten other children. 
A quick glance around, and Ergul estimated the ages of those seated to be between eight and possibly as old as sixteen. There was a pause in the conversation, and many curious eyes were turned upon her. These were the other candidates, the other children that would stand for consideration. An elderly druid with white-streaked black hair sitting at the head of the table invited her to sit. She did. It turned out Aragul was the last to arrive, which she hated. From all her reading, it seemed that only one candidate, or on very rare occasions two, were picked to join the order every nine years. She had read at some ceremonies no novices were picked at all, but she had not spent five years of her life to be turned away now. She folded her hands and listened intently. There were still three days to the solstice, the beginning of the new year. While celebrations and blessing ceremonies went on in the clearing outside the temple, the eleven candidates spent almost every waking hour in the temple with one druid or another. They talked about and were tested on subject after subject, from history to animal identification. After the first day, only eight candidates remained. After the second, there were six. On the night before the solstice, with Arjun all but vanished from the sky, the six were taken into the woods, to a clearing on a hill. Here they were asked about constellations and the names of the stars within them. Ergul flushed in angry embarrassment as she named one of the constellations, Fergama, the camel, which drew giggles from two of the other candidates, a small halfling boy who wore old raggedy clothes and seemed to be always dirty, and the eldest candidate remaining, a slender girl with glossy black hair and a face that wore a perpetual frown. The druid with the braided hair that Ergul had met on the first day silenced the two with a disapproving look, and then, looking to Ergul, said, Fergama is correct, as you hail from the glass sea. Here in the Barata province, we refer to that same grouping as the wyvern. The woman then indicated the stars in a different order than Ergul was used to, including a few not in the constellation she was familiar with, but she saw it immediately. When they had looked upon the stars for bells, the three druids with them drew aside and talked for a while. When they returned, each of the remaining six candidates were taken aside and talked to individually. Ergul had to try hard to suppress a smile when the dark-haired girl left the hilltop in tears. Last to arrive, Ergul was the last called forth. Get your rest, Ergul, she was told. Tomorrow night, a member of the order will come for you and bring you to the temple to stand before the heart, to see if your path and that of the Crius Deonadair are one. The heart? She didn't know what that meant. She knew Crius Deonadair meant heart's protector, but she had always assumed that had been a metaphor for protecting the spirit and life force of the forest. Maybe the heart was the secret name of the Druidic Council of Elders. Suppressing a giddy smile, she bowed to the three and turned to walk away in a stately manner. 
Her insides danced. Whatever the heart was, she would know tomorrow. What is the heart in front of which Argul will stand? And what does Esmeré want with the Cries de Anadere? Stay tuned next week for part two of Dreams and Nightmares. Hey, do you like pirates? Do you like actual play podcasts with an awesome story and a massive dose of goofy? Check this out. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah... Yeah, I, I was going for more. Or you could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him. Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey, everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A from Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks.